0: Alright, good morning. I'm Pastor Cameron. How are you? Glad you're here. I have a special guest of honor. Scott and Gina. I don't know where Gina left. She's out. Scott Crosley. Stand up, Scott. This is one of my college roommates. So, back in the day, we were radical on fire Christians on Western's campus and uh, stirring things up, weren't we? We had a lot of fun. That was a great time. So it seems like yesterday, that's his son next to him. <laughs> it's amazing how time changes things, you know? So, <clears throat> welcome everyone. Glad you're here. Yeah, we want to continue the, the series that I've been teaching on, the a life-giving look at the seven deadly sins. I'm going to really try to finish on time today, since I've uh, really not finished on time in the last couple of weeks. So, Is that alright? Let's dive right into it. Alright, and uh, the reason we're looking at um, sins, and these uh, the seven deadly sins historically have been taught by the church for thousands of years, almost 2,000 years, right back to the beginning. Uh, um, And we have evidence of them recorded uh, in the early centuries of the church. And the church recognized that these sins are particularly deadly. Um, uh, they, they have a way of, of really corrupting a person's life. And Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And so sin at its core is slavery. And Jesus came to set us free. But if the enemy can convince us that sin is not an evil master that keeps us in bondage, but a friend, or maybe, maybe just it's our little weakness... See, if we can be convinced that a particular sin is not the evil overlord it really is, then we will not walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ came to offer us. <clears throat> in the book I'm using as a resource, turn down a little bit, will you? Um, uh, as there's a quote, it says, Sin is the refusal of human beings to let God be God. It is the decision to create a false center for life, an idol to which we give our ultimate loyalty. All right, And that's why it's so destructive, why sin is so destructive. And these seven categories of sin, if you will, that we're looking at are, are things that are become a fault center, becomes an idol. And, and my goal is really to help us keep Christ at the center of our lives and deal with these sins in a straightforward way so that we can walk in the freedom that Christ has uh, died to make us free. and <clears throat> You know, what the sin that we're talking about, we talked about gluttony, we talked about lust, we talked about uh, avarice or greed, and this week we get to talk about anger! Yeah, <clears throat> grumpy. Yeah. How do you like the illustrations that we're using for this series? is eh, kind of fun? <laughs> yeah, he's just got a bad attitude. So, you know, I don't think I really need to define anger much, because I asked some of you what makes you angry, come on up, and uh, we need the microphone, and this is what you said. What makes you angry?
1: Stupid people doing stupid things. I have a low tolerance. Whining. This person's spouse said, people complaining about people whining, and then somebody else said, people whining about people complaining. And then the spouse replied, now I'm confused about what I was angry about. That really makes me angry. That's from um, on
0: Facebook, by the <laughs> way.
1: Uncooperative computers and Internet. rude drivers and injustice in any form. People doing bad things to children. My pride. People who have no desire to learn. I make myself angry. It's a choice. Mm. Fear, broken pride, and a hard heart are a few of the, are a few of the ingredients for anger. On a bad day, when I don't accept the things I cannot change, anything can get me angry. Mostly, I get angry about something I see in others that's actually in me. The very hand of God that comforts us is the same hand that comforts our enemies. People, cowards who take their anger and resentment out on innocent children, people who have utter disregard for the feelings of others and the pain and brokenness they cause in their wake, people being judgmental against other people without taking time to truly understand and help the other person, Angry birds, they make me angry. Actually, it's the pigs who stole the birds' eggs. That makes me the angriest.
0: My, my son, Lewis understood that one perfectly. <laughs> Some, how many understand that one? Read it again. Angry
1: birds, they make me angry. Actually, it's the pigs who stole the birds' eggs. That makes me the angriest.
0: It's an inside joke. Just go on. <laughs> Passivity.
1: Less and less. But hypocrisy tops the list when the pot calls the kettle black. One of the greatest satisfactions in life comes from getting things done and knowing you have done them to the best of your ability. When I don't get this done, I'm angry. Abortion, socialism, ungodly taxes, lack of empathy.
0: What was that? All right, very good. Thank you, Hannah. Give her a hand. So when you you respond to one of my posts on Facebook, you just never know where it will end up. So I probably won't have any responses for the next couple of months. All right. What makes you angry? And there's lots of things. To, uh, just, just a few weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago, I was, uh, went to the Secretary of State. How many love going to the Secretary of State? Oh. Really, nobody? One. There, there you go. <laughs> you Secretary of State. So anyway, and I'm sitting there with, with Emily. She's getting her driver's license. And there's a line, you know, you have to wait. You know, it's an air-conditioned building. It's clean. It's nice. You have TVs all over the place and a guy behind me was complaining about waiting. But he wasn't just complaining. It was F this and F that and, you know, you fill in the blank. So I'm angry because if there's one thing that does irritate me is when people use vulgar language in my presence, but especially when my kids are with me. You know, so I'm going through the mental list of what can I do. Like, should I just walk up and say, you know, it's actually against the law? You know, I didn't confront him, and that won't work. So I just started talking to Emily. I said, you know, Emily, and I talked loud enough. Hey, Emily, do you know that some people, in fact, there are tens of thousands of people in refugee camps in several different places in the world. There's refugee camps in Asia and Africa where people live their whole life in a refugee camp. And I actually read an article not long ago where there's refugee camps where people have grown up in the refugee camps and are now, now adults having children. And so there's whole generations of people waiting in a refugee camp, just because there's no government that's going to be able to, that's taking responsibility. I said, can you imagine what it must be like to live your whole life waiting for someone just to, to, to help, you know, they can't even fill out forms because there are no forms. There's no, can you imagine what that, I, and then I, go, <clears throat> I start elaborating on it, you know, and this guy gets quiet. <clears throat> I said, you want to, I guess, wouldn't this be funny, Emily, like, wouldn't it be great just, just like to pluck some Americans and drop them down? <laughs> What a great reality TV show to deal with living in a refugee camp. And, of course, the guy quieted up, and I felt better. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just like Americans to um, to get upset. <clears throat> and, and, frankly, you know, here we are. we were sitting in a, comfortable chairs in an air-conditioned room with at least one or two televisions to entertain us, running water, a clean bathroom, and I, we were in there no more than 40 minutes. And some people just can't tolerate that. Anger uh, is everywhere. In fact, I actually was thinking about, and I might do this next year, a whole series on anger because I really believe that anger is one of the primary um, motivating emotions <clears throat> and factors in our lives. It is. It is present in in every conflict, of course, and just it causes us. To do all kinds of things, so we want to we want to take a look at a, a, a life-giving way to look at this this issue of anger. And there's a sin of anger. <clears throat> the difficulty is, is that there's also a righteous anger. Unlike some of the other sins, like there's not righteous lust. There's uh, sexuality that's right, but lust is always wrong, or greed is always wrong. Uh, although we saw that possession is right. So we're going to talk a little bit about right anger and wrong anger. <clears throat> but initially, we need to talk about God that's why we're here. It's church. Welcome. <laughs> um, and Christians for centuries have struggled with how to reconcile God as depicted in the Bible when he's angry and God as he's depicted in the Bible when he's loving. And some people have come up with this idea that there's an Old Testament God that kind of got replaced or he had a change of, uh, of heart in the New Testament. It's like God got over his anger and sent Jesus. <clears throat> but I, I hope you can hear me and receive this. But, frankly, folks, God is angry. He really is. And there's no way to, like, skirt around that issue. The difference is that God's not like us. Alright? And so, when we get angry, we misbehave. When God gets... when In God's anger... He doesn't misbehave. Let me talk about this for a little bit. We try to force God to fit into our definition of right. Alright? Rather than accepting Him as right, correct, proper, and us being the ones that need to be changed. God does not have to behave according to our standards. Does He? We have to behave according to His standards, all right. And so it's it's a it's it's a misunderstanding of what that is. It's 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 reading in to when God's nature is revealed. We we picture Him as a human being being angry, rather than seeing that God God's anger is different. You can't understand right anger. and you can't differentiate right anger from wrong anger if you don't understand uh, the nature of God. Again, uh, all of this uh, discussion on sin revolves around relating properly to the nature of God and, and being in His likeness. Psalm chapter seven, verse 11 puts it very clearly. Psalm 7:11. <clears throat> God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Is that easy enough to understand? <laughs> Let's try a little more modern translation in the NIV. Maybe it'll put it a little easier. God is a righteous judge. A God who expresses His wrath every day. Ooh. How about the message? Certainly, he could have toned it down a little bit. Message. God, in solemn honor, does things right. But His nerves... Are sandpapered raw. (laughs) Nobody gets by with anything. Now notice in each one of, you know, in this verse, the idea of His, God's righteousness, His justice, and His honor are all, are, are, are presented, uh, integrated with the expression, uh, of His wrath and His anger. So God never violates justice, righteousness, or honor in, uh, either feeling, and God does feel, or expressing anger or wrath. That's something that's really important. Um, God's love and His anger are not in conflict. God's love and His anger are not in conflict. We are either angry or loving or affectionate. Okay? Like we overcome with anger. It takes control of us. Or we can be loving. But even imagine being... Both 100% at the same time is almost impossible. Okay? But God is always 100% at the same time. Always. He's always loving. It's not like God, because remember that verse? God doesn't change, there's no shadow of turning within him. He's constant, he doesn't have to change because he's perfect. And so God can carry this balance. Well, what about Jesus? Was Jesus angry? Mark chapter 3 verse 5. It says, and when he looked, and Jesus was in the midst, uh, dealing with, uh, someone, and actually someone who was, uh, um, crippled was there, and in the midst of a bunch of religious people, and Jesus had compassion on this crippled person, but he knew that the religious leaders were just waiting for him to do something on the Sabbath to catch him in a, in a, a breaking what they thought was the law. <clears throat> And says, when he looked around at them, those who, who, who were just looking at Jesus for an opportunity to accuse him, and not looking at this person who's lived years, maybe his whole life, uh, crippled, says he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And if you read the Gospel, Jesus is depicted many times as being rather upset. So I've said before, if, if Jesus came and preached at a church, probably everyone would walk out. All right? That's what happened from time to time in the Gospel. All right, We have this image of Jesus being... You know, a particular way, but if you read the Gospels, he's, he's going through the temple, overturning the tables, and he's, he's, he's rebuking his disciples, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's telling them they don't have any faith. Where's your faith? You know, oh, you have little faith, and, you know, and he's calling people hypocrites, uh, whitewashed, uh, tombs, and so, <clears throat> he, he's confrontational, and in every, way if you were standing there looking at them you'd go man this guy's really teed off all right and so he expressed and then it clearly says in that verse it uses the word anger uh, so Jesus dealt with anger God is has this anger um, <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 verse 18 New Testament. The beginning of Paul's explanation of the of the message of the good news, the whole book of Romans is really an elaboration on the good news, the gospel says but God, it says God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God's anger in the New Testament is consistent with his anger in the Old Testament, and so is is his love. Ephesians 5.6 Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, and those are sinful acts that he lists in the verses previous, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So don't be deceived that that somehow somehow God is no longer angry. And God of the Old Testament has had a change of personality. Okay, he's consistent. It's just that his anger and his love are never in conflict. And in fact, if we look forward to the end, what are we, what are we leading up to? What is the whole church age, this, this era where the gospel's being preached, the fulfillment of the Great Commission to the ends of the earth about Jesus Christ as Lord in expectation of what? What are we waiting for? Jesus coming back, he gets the prize. So we're waiting for Jesus to come back. What's that going to look like? Is Jesus going to come back and go, "Oh, thanks, guys"? You know? You know? <laughs> Let me tell you what it's going to look like. Revelations chapter 19, verse 11. John saw it. He said, "...I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him, the horse, was called Faithful and True." This is talking about Jesus' return. "...and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood." His own. And His name is called the Word of God. This is speaking about Jesus. And it says, "...the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed Him on white horses. Now, out of His mouth goes a sharp sword that with it He should strike the nations. And He Himself, Jesus Himself, will rule them with a rod of iron. He Himself treads the winepress." of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords excuse me <laughs> so Jesus himself what does it say it says he, he he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and the picture is that he's the one stomping the grapes, crushing them, okay? He's the one that will actually execute justice and judgment. And, and it is the expression of the wrath of God against wickedness and evil, evildoers. Now, let me read this next quote and verse to kind of bring this part of it together. Jesus' blood sacrifice, this is a quote from the book, uh, William Stafford on the Seven Deadly Sins. Jesus' blood sacrifice of himself, you see, because he was clothed in a robe stained with his own blood, he came and took the brunt, okay, of all, the punishment of all sin, so that no one has to endure the wrath of God if they merely accept him. As Lord. He provides a way out. That's God's mercy. Alright? Jesus' blood sacrifice of Himself reversed the curse on anger. It expressed God's eternal, accurate judgment on sin when Jesus died on the cross, but beneath that, the still deeper truth that God was reconciling the world to Himself. Listen, God's wrath at sin's rejection of relationship with Him is the storm front of His love. God's wrath is the storm front of His love. Alright? God's anger is born from His commitment to the relationship That human sin denies. God's anger is born from His commitment to the relationship that human sin denies. So God's anger is unlike our anger. Romans 5, 6 says, Well, when we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, But though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves His love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by His blood, we shall be saved through Him from the wrath of God. Okay, so there's a constant. There's two constants that we're talking about. Constant things that don't change. There's the wrath of God that doesn't change, and the love of God that doesn't change. And we're saved from the wrath of God that is coming by being... uh, Enveloped in the love of God expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. So in other words, if you're with Jesus on one of those horses, you don't have to be afraid of the wrath of God. Because you, and how do you get with Him? You accept Him. You accept His sacrifice on the cross. You follow Him. You commit your life to Him. You get saved. Okay? And so the door is open and wide. And the announcement is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Whoever wills, whoever receives Christ can be saved. But there is a day when judgment will come. Frankly, listen, this is I've been thinking about this for a while. <laughs> I wouldn't like a God who wasn't angry. And I don't think you would either. Because when you see some of the suffering and injustice in this world... When I read reports of because of tribal wars in Africa, one tribe will go into another village and cut off the arms and legs of all the children, and they're, they live. Lots of them live. You can go to parts of the Congo right now and talk to these children who have no arms. Because God should be angry at that. All right, and we need to understand that God that there will be justice. And it will be an expression of His love. All right, it's it's consistent with His love. We <coughs> listen in Christ. The wrath and the love of God are brought together in perfect balance and unity. His love does not diminish His wrath, but His wrath doesn't diminish His love. And that's hard for us to understand, but we need to under, we need to we need to realize that There is a righteous justice and place for anger and wrath, but it doesn't compete. When we're looking at God, His love is equally available. Does that make any sense at all? All The problem is is that unlike Christ, we have a difficult time balancing love and anger. We get confused and out of balance. Anger comes as an emotion and it throws us off. All okay? right and so we 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 don't act in just we don't act justly or in righteousness or in honor we act in injustice we get upset we over we blow out <clears throat> and that's why in Ephesians chapter 4:26 it says be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil so um it goes on in verse thirty one it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender heart hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so <clears throat> there is the, the Bible is very clear here. It says, Be angry and don't sin. Alright. What does be angry mean? It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to have anger. Just don't let that lead to sin. All right? And so the the feeling or experience of anger is, is, is distinct from what you do with it. But it says deal with your anger quickly, in fact, before the sun sets. All right? Because if you allow it to continue on... It'll, it'll cause you to behave, uh, sinfully. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so he goes on and saying all the stuff that's associated with unresolved anger is destructive and all that needs to be put away. Okay, that means gotten rid of. It should not be part of your life. So, at at the very least, be angry and and not is a recognition that anger and our response to anger are two separate things. That it's okay people to feel angry or even to be angry at at the proper things. But we need to learn how to respond so that we don't end up in sin. Alright, a couple of quotes here. Anger that is right, this was right anger, serves and protects something that's good. Alright? In a social world, there could be no justice without right right anger. Right anger is committed to human integrity and the social fabric, not the reverse. Okay? So right anger is about preserving social integrity and and unity and the needs and the, the fabric of community. And it's not about destroying the fabric of community and breaking down relationship. That would be sinful anger. All right. In this, it it acts to defend life and justice. In this sense, it's possible to be angry in love. Thus, angry feelings are not necessarily sinful. Neither are the actions born of such anger. The kingdom of God has not fully come, and until it does, anger is the right response to some realities. Wrong or sinful anger is a sin against the gift of social life. We all need society, we need community, we need others, right? Sinful anger, is the wrong anger is the sin that, that breaks down community, comes against other people. Alright? <clears throat> sinful anger has no neighbors, only enemies and obstacles. Sin- sinful anger is a destructive movement against a neighbor on one's own account apart from God. Alright? It's when you react in anger to defend yourself and God's not in the picture. Excuse me, God, I'll take care of this. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> That sinful anger. And that's that's destructive. Let's see here. Sinful anger is the weapon of the false self seeking its own goals by destroying its neighbors. God's anger is not like that. His wrath is a response to human lies about Him. Its main purpose is to establish the, the truth and thus the ground for new life. All right? His anger is against deceit and injustice so that people can live in love and community. Our sinful anger, when we respond to anger inappropriately, breaks down community, breaks down others uh, out of a perceived defense for ourselves or an inappropriate reaction to injustice. Wrong anger occurs when deciding what is right is not left to God or to anyone else. We take it into our own uh, <clears throat> to decide what's right. And anger is also, therefore, a sin against God, not only against our neighbors, when it makes the self the absolute center and displaces God. So again, that's a form of idolatry where you're the ruler. Now, I, got, I got thinking about this. Oh, I can't believe I'm almost out of time. You know, it's this idea that we want to be like God. And that's back to the original sin. As as opposed to being submitted to the Lordship of God and allowing God to enter into our anger and lead us to resolve the anger in a productive way. Alright? And that's the difference between right anger and wrong anger. I want to share a few things about how to respond to anger in a way that will lead you to freedom and not into more bondage. Are you ready? We're going to whip through these quickly. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yeah. Is anybody here this morning? <clears throat> okay, first thing to do, when you when there's anger, acknowledge it. As an emotion, anger is neither right nor wrong, it's our response. But if you don't acknowledge, "Hey, this is anger I'm dealing with," you're going to have a hard time Uh, Understand it. And also, anger is rational. If someone does you wrong, even if it's a perceived wrong, the response of anger is just a rational response. There's nothing wrong to that. But if you say it's irrational or wrong to respond to that, then you're, you know, it's like saying if you hit my knee, I shouldn't jerk. I was just had a physical, and the guy hit my knee, and I said, that's so weird. And he says, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know? And so, okay, so I'm having a response of anger. Acknowledge it. Right? Now, <clears throat> uh, uh, the judgment from which that emotion is flowing may be right or wrong. In other words, <clears throat> if someone takes something that I thought was mine, and I get angry, the anger is neither right nor wrong. But I have to... You know, I get all upset about it. But then later I find out, oh, that wasn't my coat. That was his coat that just happens to look like mine. Then I'm a, I look silly, right? So I step back and go, wait a minute. Am I seeing this right? And often we find out the perceived offense is not an offense at all. It's just a misunderstanding. All right? <clears throat> but, but anger is, is, is okay. How to respond. Once you acknowledge anger... There's four ways to respond to anger. The worst way is to internalize it. When you're angry, don't let anybody know. Swallow it. Deep six it. Blame yourself. Isolate yourself. Step back. You know, that's the worst. People think it's the best. They think it's the best because they see somebody else expressing anger in a different way and they think this is better, but it's not. Because what happens is every time you get angry, you stick it down inside and it just gets added to the lump. Alright? And it grows. It's not responding appropriately. Uh, denying it, ignoring it, blaming yourself, or justifying the wrong act or the feelings. All of it progresses to bitterness. And bitterness progresses to malice. OK, uh, bitterness is being just angry because you can't even remember why at this particular person or this group of people. Racism is a form of bitterness. Malice is that you're just mean and angry at everything, every, all the time. You're just completely consumed. Your whole personality is wrapped up in it. And that's what happens if anger isn't dealt with before the sun goes down. It can grow and be and, and lead to uh, passive aggressive behavior. Anger unresolved leaks out. Second way, to, so that's that's the worst way to deal with it. The second worst way is violent outburst, throwing things. I wanted to throw something. Ah! Breaking things, yelling, screaming. It's better because at least it's out on the table. At least you get to acknowledge It's anger. Okay, I'm serious. Sure yeah, now everybody's angry. <laughs> But throwing and breaking things isn't good, but it's better than internalizing it and having it come out, leak out later, sometimes decades later, and you can't even figure out why you're angry. A better way, but still poor way, is inappropriate verbal expression. Making snide remarks. You know, there's always a little "Mm." (coughs) sarcasm, name-calling, crude humor. At least no one's getting physically hurt, nothing's getting broken, but it is getting expressed. But the proper way to express anger is verbally in an appropriate manner. So rationally saying, wait a minute here, I hear what you're saying, but that makes me feel very angry. Everybody together say, I feel very angry. Don't you feel better now? (laughs) If you're in a conflict and you're feeling angry, the best thing to do is to say, wait a minute. I'm feeling really angry now. And the person will either say, well, you, I don't know, you know it, it, it doesn't matter what the person says. Or they might go, oh, well, that, that's not what I mean, you know. Well, I'm, I just, I feel as though this, and you start saying, this is just how I feel. Maybe I need to take some time to sort things out. So expre- appropriate verbal expression is the best way to, respo- is to, to respond to anger. Now I want to. Once it's out on the table and you recognize that it's there, there needs to be a remedy. All right. <clears throat> so again, we're going to go through these fast, but they're they're pretty easy. Uh, <clears throat> the first remedy: How do you deal with it? You confess it to God. You say, God, I'm angry. Now in prayer, if you're alone, you can yell, you can stomp, you can hit the ground, you can cry. And it's the the more you do that, if you feel that, the better. But you need to communicate to God that you're angry, why you're angry, and then if need be, you may need to communicate to others. All right, confession, and then stop, look, and listen. Once you confess it, if it's sinful anger, stop all behavior that's sinful that's associated with it. So stop yelling, stop cursing, stop complaining. Hitting, breaking, verbally or physically abusing yourself or others. Stop stealing, vandalizing, undermining, internalizing, self-mutilating, repeating the incident over in your mind. Stop accusing, justifying, judging, or rationalizing. Stop being offended. Stop withdrawing, getting even, even, isolating, giving up, or breaking down. Sound good? Because all those are just bad activity. Stop it. Just stop. You can stop. Then look. Look at the world and the situation from God's perspective. Learn how to see it from His perspective. Ask God to show you His perspective. Get your eyes off of yourself and pull back and say, okay, from a bigger viewpoint, what's really going on here? And then listen. Listen to the other person's side of the story. Get their point of view. Understand that the others involved in whatever you're upset about, there's more to their life than whatever they've done wrong to you. Okay? Even the people that chop off people's arms. I don't understand. Maybe that those kids' parents had chopped off their kids' arms. I don't know. I can't sort it out. That's why I'm waiting for Jesus to come and sort it out. Listen to their side of the story. Don't react to perceived wrongs until you hear the other side. And listen to God. Ask God. Stop inappropriate reactions. Listen for appropriate reactions or responses. And then do what God tells you to do. He knows how to how to help you navigate your way out of the place of anger into a place of peace. You have to believe it. Okay? Because he knows how to balance justice and mercy without any, uh, injustice occurring to anyone. And then direct the energy of your anger into a productive response. Okay? Use the passion to produce godly change in you and in the circumstances. Alright? And anger has incredible power. And it can be used or channeled to bring about change. Let me finish with this. The final one is Romans twelve, nineteen. It says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Give place to wrath. Put wrath in its place. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a quote from Neil Dozo, God, says the Lord. That means that God is going to avenge everyone that's truly innocent. And to whatever degree you're innocent, He will come and be able to avenge that innocence. And to whatever degree you're guilty, He will come and, and mete out justice to you. So, so it's really good to submit and to say, God, I was wrong. Be my vengeance. I trust you to make right what I perceive was something done wrong to me. And I'm not going to do it myself. I'm going to give place to my anger and say, Jesus, you're going to deal with this better than I. I trust you to deal with it. Okay? And and there's an incredible breakthrough when you're able to transfer, it doesn't deny the feelings of anger. Or the desire for getting even. It's just recognizing that whatever that person did probably doesn't even compare to what I've done. And I'm going to trust Jesus to make it right. And then I can be in peace with the circumstance or the individual. And not be overcome by rage. Uh, and see that lead to destruction in my life. Bill.